Abba, Yahweh, bless the sharing of this word, the reading of your word, the unholy word, the scriptures for the edification, uplifting, encouragement, uprightness of my brothers and sisters, Father God, in these dark and perilous times, these things that are coming about. Keep us steadfast, keep us upright, keep us strong, Father God. Yahweh, Aman, Yeshua, Aman, Barclitos. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit are always with his brothers and sisters back in the Word. I'm going to share with you out of 1 Samuel 16. Uh, during this time period, this is when uh, things were not really going so well. <laughs> it, it's I find it humorous in a way and sad on the other hand that there are those, even those in the church that say that the Bible needs to be more relevant, that the Bible needs to be updated. There are those people that are looking to eliminate the nation of Israel completely out of the Bible. So what's that mean now? Instead of a holy Bible, it's got to be the holy pamphlet. I'm sorry, but that's absolutely ridiculous. These are falling into secular Christianity, being sucked into the world, and cultural Christians that are those that are able to step down in cowardice when anything confronts that requires faith, and steadfastness and courage. They'll step down in a heartbeat. And then there are those same folks in that same category, cultural Christianity, that will step aside and apologize for saying something true and righteous out of the Bible. They have to understand what I'm saying, brothers and sisters. It's not wrong to speak truth if it's done in righteousness. No apology is necessary. God does not need us to apologize for anything, especially for him. He created the universe. You not think that if a person said something that was crosswise to God, that he couldn't just erase that person? Well, here's the thing. My point being that he doesn't need us to step aside and compromise and apologize. If it is said and done in righteousness, which is why, before we go into anything at all, and I even have to remember this too, because sometimes I try to take on challenges and things myself before praying, and of course it turns into a chaotic mess. Uh, maybe that's a little exaggeration, but then I come back and say, Father, forgive me, I'm sorry, I, I should have been with you first. And everything smooths out incident working on a motorcycle, that very thing. I mean, goodness gracious. And he's so gentle about it. Was not harsh with me. He just <laughs> he just said my name and gently. And man, the light came on like poof. at any rate, the point is that just we need to be in prayer about everything. Don't apologize 
for anything that's done, if it is said and done in righteousness. Now, if it's just said out of taken out of context and being mean and nasty and you know, then of course there's maybe an apology that you should post, that you should say, hey, I'm sorry I took that out of context. That isn't, you know, I read the rest of the scripture and what I said was not said correctly. Nothing wrong with that. But if you're doing it just because the crowd cries out like they did, crucify him, crucify him, crucify him, and they took Jesus to the cross, even after Pontius Pilate, the Roman governor, said, I find no fault in this man. I find no reason that he should be crucified. I find no reason that he should be put through the cruelest, most vicious, most terrible form of punishment that is because the Roman Empire took it to an extreme and turned it into an art form for our purpose. I find no fault in that he should go that way. Yet, crucify him, crucify him, crucify him. And he backed down because he was fearful of riotous attitudes from the Jews. And there were a lot. Actually, they outnumbered the Romans, but the Jewish people were also fearful of the Romans and what they would do. The point that I'm making, brothers and sisters, is that cultural Christianity, they scream and holler, and people bellow enough and if you don't have the upright courage that God commanded us to have, you are going to back down, step aside, and compromise. Either that or you become agitated, and then you confront them. And then it becomes in this physical confrontation, which neither of them we are supposed to be involved in. Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael. Azariah, Meshach, Shadrach, and Abednego, Bapathajar, which are the names that were given to honor Babylonian kings, but they refused those names because they weren't theirs. When they were called in, in, in Babylon, Nebuchadnezzar wanted them to do something. They would respond to those names because they knew that those were the labels that were tacked on them. But here's a lesson that we learned from those four young Jewish men, who, by the way, were young teens, not even in their mid-teens, when they were taken into captivity by the nation of Babylon, and were in captivity and actually died there, okay? Israel was captive and enslaved by the Babylonians for 70 years, seven zero years. But not one time, not one moment of any day did either of them step down, step aside, or confront the mightiest king and the mightiest empire during that period, Nebuchadnezzar, the Babylonian king. None of them stepped down in cowardice stepped aside to compromise and never confronted. They only spoke the truth. And in their righteousness, God stood by them. God stood by them every time. 
when Daniel was thrown into the den of the lions, the lions' mouths were shut. When the Chaldeans complained and they accused and said, and here's the thing, Daniel and his companions prayed over the Chaldeans because they were fearful that Nebuchadnezzar was going to kill them. They prayed over them and prayed that God would not allow that to happen. And because of their righteousness and praying for others, even those that were so undeserving, God stayed the hand of Nebuchadnezzar toward the Chaldeans. But they accused and said, hey, the lions, Daniel somehow got his friends to feed the lions so that they wouldn't attack him when he was in there. God shut the mouths of the lions. And when Daniel was removed from the lion's den, and Nebuchadnezzar called for the accusers, he threw them and everybody, every member of their family in the lion's dens, and the lions set upon them, tore them apart, and ate them. Well, so much for closing the mouths of lions by being fed. They were hungry, but God shut their mouths, the power of the Lord. This is what we have to look at in everything, brothers and sisters. His strength, his might, his love. And I'm reading out of 1 Samuel 16. This is some of the things that we've talked about here. And the Lord said unto Samuel, How long wilt thou mourn for Saul, seeing I have rejected him from reigning over Israel? Fill thine horn with oil and go. I will send thee to Jesse the Bethlehemite. And in case you don't know that story, Jesse is David's father. And Samuel did which the Lord spake, and then we'll continue back over in four. And Samuel did which the Lord spake and came to Bethlehem. And the elders of the town trembled at his coming and said, uh, comest thou peaceably? They know Samuel was, um, Samuel was not the most gentle when <laughs> when people disobeyed and they confronted him, he he took the task. And there were a few times, and, you know, the uh, idol worshipers and those that were challenging him and the Lord, they didn't, didn't end well for them. And he said peaceably, I am come to sacrifice unto the Lord. Sanctify yourselves and come with me to the sacrifice, and he sanctified Jesse and his sons and called them to the sacrifice. And it came to pass when they were come that he looked on Eliab and said, Surely the Lord's anointed is before him. But the Lord said unto Samuel, Look not on his countenance or on the height of his stature, because I have refused him. For the Lord seeth not as a man seeth, for man looketh on the outward appearance, but the Lord looketh on the heart. And I share that with you, brothers and sisters, because of what I've shared before. We have a tendency to look at all these people around and everything that they're going on. We judge them by appearance, which Samuel was very guilty of, because uh, Jesse had some powerful sons, including David. But David was the smallest in stature. And... Because of his stature, he was not put in the mix of so many other things that his brothers were and relegated, if you will, to tending the sheep. He was a shepherd. 
But excuse me, our Lord Jesus Christ is a shepherd. He's our good shepherd. How is that a demeaning task? Not from what I'm seeing and from what I've read in the Bible. My goodness gracious, I mean, that was an important thing, a very important thing. But just as it is in these days, you have young men that want to be a fireman. They want to be a soldier. They want to be a Marine and, and do the military or, or despite all the negativity and all the lies that are being perpetrated out there, they even want to be a policeman. But now that's probably changed because of all the lies and things that are being perpetrated and, and the way that the media is portraying everything. But what I'm saying is that you have youngsters that brought up being, you know, the adventurous and being a shepherd. That's not very adventurous. But all of these sons that Jesse brought before Samuel, mighty in stature, fair to look at, God told Samuel, he said, these are not any that I'm looking at because their heart is not right. So before we go around and walking through our life, and I am learning this so much every day in my job, and I still catch myself, and I daily ask forgiveness and to help me learn. And you have to understand something. You have to be very careful with God. And I say that to say this. If you ask God for patience, what is the best way? to gain patience by trial. <laughs> you will be tested, brothers and sisters. And I ask God for to be able to be more graceful and, and compassionate to folks. Well, they come to me. They come to me fairly regularly. But I want to finish that. I'm not going to give up on what my quest is, and my quest is to be more Christ-like in this dark world. I want God as my center. I want that light to shine out, and you know, he blesses me this way. Because I have people, total, <laughs> me, total strangers to me. I've never met them, and they come up, and they ask me, and they'll ask me why I'm so different than others. So what I'm asking God to do is revealing itself. Praise God, my Father. And that might sound like I'm bragging, but it's not my glory for that. That glory belongs to God. I couldn't do that on my own. Let me tell you, brothers and sisters, I was probably one of the worst judges by outward appearance of people. Wow, how lazy they have to be. How That's disgusting. Man, they smell. You know what? None of that matters. None of that matters. I've shared with you the professor, and I call him that, and I imagine he was or is, could be again, but you know, three PhDs and having a position and then losing an entire, an entire family that he is the sole survivor. And it just happened that way. But the walk that he's on, people made fun of him because of the way he dressed. People made fun of him because he doesn't smell the best. 
people made fun of him because he didn't talk to anyone. They thought that he was a deaf mute for the longest time. And I just kept dumping kindness on him, just pouring it on him. He talks to me whenever he sees me. Sometimes he'll come up because this guy has so much in his brain flying around. And some of it is very trivial information, but so obscure that people don't even know. You have to go look this stuff up. And sometimes he tests me, but he just wants to talk. And you know what? If that's all it is, then that's all it is. He has somebody to connect to. And that connection and relevance is God, our Father, who created all of us. Nothing else matters to me and nothing else matters to him. He refused Jesse's sons because they looked right, but their heart wasn't right. The one that he accepted, the one that he said was the one that Samuel said, well, wait a minute, are you kidding? This He's... He's dressed in skins. He's he's a handsome young boy. But look at him. He's all ruddy and, you know, he's relatively unkept. And God said, this is the one. This is the one that I want. This is the one that I search his heart. And he is a man after my own heart. Sound familiar, brothers and sisters? All the others, God looked in their hearts. Their heart wasn't right. So praise my Father God in heaven above. Yahweh, Aman, you are praiseworthy, Father. I mean, he found something in my heart that he didn't allow the minions of hell to take hold of my steering wheel and drive me off that bridge, which I was I was bent on doing. But that voice spoke in my ear. I didn't go to Beirut, Lebanon and die with all my companions. And it actually still haunts me because I felt that I should have been there. Why wasn't I there? Why didn't I go too? But God had other ideas and other plans. I didn't die in the military. I didn't drive off the side of that bridge because God, through the Holy Spirit, spoke to me about my grandchildren. And I'm here. And circumstances prevail. You know, sometimes things happen during the course of the road walk. And they alter things. And many times that's not a consequence of anything personally done, but you have to still have faith in God. I have faith in God. I pray over my children and grandchildren all the time. But circumstances will prevail on occasion because they choose to stay bound up in things of the past that they really don't have anything, any knowledge of. Right now with my youngest child and my my miracle granddaughter that... Distance is the only thing, but we're, we stay in touch. And my others that are nearby, however, there is darkness. But I pray over them every day. I love them. I love my son. I love my daughter-in-law. I love my grandchildren. 
And you know what? I don't I don't want to stay bound up in all of that stuff. This is the thing that people you have to realize, brothers and sisters, that staying bound up in the past keeps us prisoners. It doesn't allow us freedom. I like walking around and being free. And here is uh, <laughs> in Psalm 71, 5 through 9, one of David's psalm, this. For thou art my hope, O Lord God, thou art my trust from my youth. By thee I have been holding up from the womb, thou art he that took me out of my mother's bowels. My praise shall be continually of thee. I am as a wonder unto many. But thou art my strong refuge. Let my mouth be filled with thy praise and with thy honor all the day. Cast me not off in the time of old age. Forsake me not when my strength fails. David talks here about how some people will look at him and they are looking for outward appearances and what he may have been like before. <coughs> Pardon me. We know that David was definitely not a perfect man, but here's the other thing, brothers and sisters. God doesn't expect perfection out of any of his children. The only child that is perfect is our Lord Jesus Christ. And until he who is perfect has come, there will be no perfect thing in this place. This place called earth. This place called whatever people call it. I, this is not my home. This is my temporal lodge, lodging. My home is in heaven with Jesus Christ, my Father God, and my loved ones that have gone on before that have faith and believe. I'm looking forward to seeing that. I'm looking forward to the opportunity of sitting down at our dinner table and talking to Moses, to Jesus Christ, my Lord, my King to these powerful people that were, that walked before us. Oh my goodness. Enoch, this man walked so close to God that God took him. He didn't die. He was walking with God one day and then was no more because God took him. That's in the Bible, by the way, brothers and sisters, go back to the book of Genesis. Enoch was walking with the Lord, and he was no more. God just took him home. They had a good fellowship, a good relationship. And, you know, there was a time that God would do that. God walked in the garden with Adam and Eve. The Spirit of the Lord moved through on the face of this earth and would come and talk to those that were in him. But the fall, because the enemy came in, and was allowed to take a place in the lives. And that's changed. However, God still talks to his children. He just changes the way it's done now. But we still have that opportunity. That opportunity is ours through Jesus Christ, the only begotten Son of God the Father, who came and sacrificed it. Through Jesus Christ, we have the opportunity to come to the Father God. And this is some of the things that the Pharisees, the Sanhedrin, the scribes, they couldn't get past the fact that the law said that you had to do it this way and that you couldn't talk to God. But Jesus Christ came and he said, 
yeah, you can. It's going to be done this way now. It's not going to be the way it was. But now we have an opportunity. They were so holding on to the old way and holding on and being bound by what everything was. It's just like what I shared. People that stay bound up by what was are doomed to stay in that prison. They won't release. They won't relinquish. They won't let go. They hold on of what people were or what they used to be or how they were. God forgives things. When God forgives things, he tosses them way out there, farther than the east is from the west, into the sea of forgetfulness. And it's said that way because there is no connection in the east and west. It just goes around. Okay? There's no, it just, it just continues. And the sea of forgetfulness, the only reason it comes back is if we swim out and pick it up off the bottom, which foolishly we do on occasion. But holding on to things in the past, you don't forgive. And if you don't forgive the way that we were forgiven, then you stand in sin. You remain bound by that. You remain a prisoner of that. Got to let that stuff go. It doesn't matter. People try to bring that stuff up. I love this. Uh, I saw this photograph of a, of a sign that a pastor actually put out in front of this church. You know, the, the folks who try to remind me of how I was and, you know, be accusing of all that. He goes, that's like a thief trying to come in and rob an empty house or rob my where I used to live. I don't live there anymore. It's a fruitless venture. So the same being said, I don't live there anymore. They don't live there anymore. So you have to let go. What a fruitless venture that is for you to keep holding on to those things in the past. And the only, God doesn't do that. God never says, yeah, but remember what you did last week was very much similar to what you did this time. It's a little bit different, but I remember God never does that condemnation only comes from the enemy, the enemy being Satan and his minions. That's the only place that condemnation comes from. The only condemnation that God has is in the end, when those that refuse to acknowledge Jesus Christ, refuse to acknowledge the sovereignty of Lord God Almighty, and have done all these destructive things that they're doing to the people now. But understand this, brothers and sisters, Stay in prayer in everything. These, these lies that are being pandered to the people, there's a darker agenda to this. You have to understand that. There is a darker agenda. And the manipulation of the media, the way it's being portrayed out there, you might have forgotten the prince of the air. Who is that? That is the enemy. That is a pseudonym of Satan, the enemy, the devil, the liar, the accuser, fear, the false evidence appearing real, that he can manipulate things and he can twist things, malign things. And there are those that have declared that they don't trust the Bible because it was written by men. Uh, excuse me. No, it was penned by men and women but it was authored by Father God who breathed into the men and women who put down on paper 
it was done that way. However, their trust is in the media and the newspapers and the magazine. They'll trust those. Here's the thing that I've shared with you before. People many times will much prefer believing and accepting a lie than the truth. And that's a choice that they make. Remember that, brothers and sisters, everyone has a choice. Choose to do the right thing. Choose to walk in faith. Choose to believe in Jesus Christ, the only begotten Son of God. Choose to have faith in God. Do not choose to stand down and be a coward. Do not choose to step aside and become a secular Christian and say, oh, I'm sorry for my God speaking truth through me and my reading the truth in the Bible as it's written in there, that that's an abomination. And what your organization does is, a, is an abomination to God, so I have to believe that. Or become so angry and uh, obsessed by what is said that you become confrontational about it. And there are organizations and churches that do that. And that saddens me greatly. Brothers and sisters, standing in righteousness and standing on the truth does not need to be apologized for. And here God talks to David again. And David speaks and praises God again. And Psalm 72, 17 through 19, his name shall endure forever. His name shall be continued as long as the sun and men shall be blessed in him and nations shall call him blessed. Blessed be the Lord God, the God of Israel, who only doeth wondrous things. And blessed be his glorious name forever and let the whole earth be filled with his glory. Amen. Amen. Glorify God. Hold on to the promises of God. He is a good father. David continues again in 73, 23 through 25. Nevertheless, I am continually with thee. Thou hast holden me by my right hand. Thou shalt guide me with thy counsel, and afterward receive me to glory. Whom have I in heaven but thee? And there is none upon earth that I desire beside thee. He is our good, good Father. He is with us all the time. And that higher love that I talked about earlier, brothers and sisters, we can be to others, but it's only in the love of God in us and in ourselves and of ourselves, it's not in us. But we believe, accept Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior and faith in God. And we look and we ask for his blessing and his love to be in us to shine out. That's when it will shine out. And that's what we're supposed to be we're supposed to be little lighthouses walking around on this earth letting the light shine out on the sea of turmoil on the sea of darkness on the sea of doubt and fear people are afraid some unfortunately even those that claim to be christians are fearful they're being driven by the fear see this is the enemy working 
He loves that because he is fear. And when they succumb to being fearful, withdrawn to the little dark crevice, and then they roll the stone over the front of that, and they stay in their hovels, and they shake and shiver because they don't want to get out and contact anyone. They won't go to church. They'll, you know, everything is done at distance from everyone because they've allowed themselves to be driven into that fearful shadow. Brothers and sisters, he is our good father. He is with us in all things. And we have to be in that. And this, and then I'm going to bid you adieu for this day. Psalm 112, 5 through 7. A good man showeth favor and lendeth. He will guide his affairs with discretion. Surely he shall not be moved forever. The righteous shall be in everlasting remembrance. He shall not be afraid of evil tidings. His heart is fixed, trusting in the Lord. That's where we need to be, brothers and sisters. It's right here in the instruction manual. Don't be moved by these things that are out there. Focus on the Lord. Trust in the Lord God Almighty. That's what we have to do. But don't be like some Christians are claiming to be those cultural Christians that don't want to hear about all that stuff because that's just doom and gloom. And Oh, man, I don't want to hear about all that stuff. Well, yeah, you don't want to hear about all that stuff. Then don't listen. You've obviously closed your ears to most of the things anyway. You only choose to listen to all the things that you can dance around and throw the flower petals in the air about. You know, that's not reality and that's not truth. I've shared with you, brothers and sisters, you must know the enemy. Know his movements, know his, his tactics, be aware of the enemy. Don't have to fo focus on God, focus on Lord, focus on those right things. But if you choose to ignore the enemy and pretend that the enemy does not exist simply because you think it's doom and gloom, then you are doomed. And that's reality, brothers and sisters, you are doomed because then he's going to come in and smack you upside the head and you're not even going to know he's there because he sends his little serpents and scorpions into the shadows to skitter about. And it's going to happen. And then before you know it, it's going, wow, where did that come from? Be aware of the enemy. And everything is in the instruction manual. Our Bible tells us about these things. Read about them, listen to them, be aware. Don't focus, focus on God. Faith in God, trust in God. Just like David said right there, I'll trust in the Lord. Will not be afraid of these dark things in these shadows. No reason. God is with us whithersoever we go. Brothers and sisters, be of strong courage, be upright, be forthright. Be righteous in everything that's shared. If it's said in anger and cruelty, that's why I don't diminish what I say. And I'm not going to be apologetic for what I say. You choose not to listen, turn on the delete button. And that's okay. But what I speak is truth. What I speak is done righteously and not to hurt anyone's feelings. So if you become offended, search yourself. Don't sit there and say, well, he offended me. 
Well, you allowed that to happen. You allowed that to happen because you took it that direction. Okay? There's an old Native American sayings that you can only be made to feel guilty if you're allowed to be, if you allow it to happen. I don't allow myself to feel guilty for this because what I speak is truth and righteousness. And you can only be offended if you allow yourself to be offended. If you allow it to happen, okay? Many things that are being said today are done in a joking manner, in an offhanded manner, and they're not meant to directly offend people. But because people are so into pandering for other issues that everything becomes offensive. Oh my gosh, Dr. Seuss has become offensive to people? Dr. Seuss? And there are classic pieces of literature that are now offensive that have been around and in circulation in libraries for literally a couple hundred years, as long as the first library was in existence in this country. And now, all of a sudden, they are an offense to some, and libraries are being pressured to pull them off the shelves because somebody has decided that it's offensive. Don't focus on things that you weren't involved in. If you weren't there 250 years ago, don't make that an issue. Making an issue against someone who wasn't even alive then in connection with your not even being alive then, what is the point in that? And how is that going to fix anything? Forgiveness and love is what is of importance. Staying bound in the past drives derision, darkness, it turns to anger and resentment, and then people lash out. And that is not showing the light of the Lord. If you're offended, I say too bad, so sad that you allowed that to happen. We must not allow these things in and to govern our lives. The happenings should never be deciding your happiness. That's not where happiness, true happiness, lies. Brothers and sisters, have a blessed day. Be of strong courage. Be upright, be truthful, be righteous. Have a good day.